like you hit it for 20 years pretty much yeah yeah i did i did oh, wow. and i i i i mean I mean, it's funny because some cousins say to me, well, we knew you had it because we saw that you'd covered up your hands with makeup. Hi, friends. This is Read and Write with Natasha podcast. My name is Natasha Tynes and I'm an author and a journalist. In this channel, I talk about the writing life, review books, and interview authors. Hope you enjoy the journey. Today, I have a very special guest. It's author and my dear friend, uh, Jyoti Gataora. She wrote this amazing book. It's her life story about dealing um, with uh, a skin disease uh, called uh, vitiligo. And uh, this book uh, called Strong in the Skin I Am In, I, I finished it like maybe in one day because it's amazing I could stop reading uh, so before we uh, I talk to her I'd like just to give you a quick uh, introduction so that you get to know um, who Jyoti is so Jyoti is a British Asian uh, presenter and also runs her own uh, business uh, called Positive, Positively Diverse uh, in, in her uh, business she focuses on um, promoting better representations in the media for those with visible differences and disabilities. Um, as I mentioned, this is her book that we're going to discuss today. But before I started bringing her, I want to tell you how I met Jyoti. I met Jyoti when I was 18 years old uh, in Madrid, and she was 15. Um, we were both taking a, a Spanish course in Madrid, and uh, you know we lost touch, obviously, and we reconnected via social media uh, what, almost 30 years later. <laughs> I'm 45 now, and uh, here we go. So without further ado, Jyoti, how are you? Natasha. Thank you. Thanks for having me join you today. It's such a pleasure. I'm Absolutely. very well, thank you. Yeah, it's the pleasure is all mine. So uh, first of all, I want to say that I really, really enjoyed your book. I think the best part for me was the raw feelings, the feelings yeah. of, of sadness and shame. And you expressed that really well in your book, especially when, you know, the scenes where you were hiding in your room, refusing to leave the house, um, extremely ashamed of of what's happening to you. And I I was just wondering, do you think you would have felt the same or anyone would have felt the same today um, because today there's more awareness uh, and there's like social media you connect with more because when that happened to you I think that was way before there was social media or anything like that and so the sense of isolation was much greater than now if this happened to you now in 2021 and you are now what like let's say 20 when when you first were, um, were diagnosed yeah. would you have felt the same well, this is a really good question, Natasha, because I've met so many people on my platform that have just been diagnosed and they are feeling very isolated, very afraid, very worried about their skin. Um, it's all very new. And even though they are on social media and they have 
so many people to support them, they still feel very afraid. And I think it comes down to that fundamental issue of when you don't know the unknown, when you're unaware about it, you have little research on it, little awareness on it, you know, it does become quite a worrying situation. Um, and so I think if I had the condition and I was diagnosed now, I think, yes, I would have a certain level of anxiety, but I think when it comes to isolation, I think I would feel less isolated because there were so many people out there talking about skin conditions, visible differences, disabilities. And, you know, I think it's becoming a little bit more normalized than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, what if it happens to someone, you know, um, let's say your daughter or your cousin yeah. or, or your, uh, how, how would yeah. you, how would you deal with it well, versus how, how your parents dealt with it? Really good question again. I think, and many people have asked me that, how do you think you would deal with it if your daughter or son got it? And I think because I've equipped them with the right tools from quite a young age with how to deal with negative remarks, negative comments, you know, if someone says something to them, how do they then handle it in, a, in, in, in the right way, in a positive way, but a way that's not aggressive or rude. And I think that they would probably handle it much better than I was able to. Not only am I their mum, but they've been able to learn from me with how I have grown with the condition and learned to accept it. And I think that's something for a child that is, um, it's amazing when a parent can role model these, these attitudes and these behaviors, and then their children pick up on this. So I would hope that they would gain that strength and that resilience to combat any negativity surrounding it. And as a mother, yes, of course, I think I would feel really upset because I know what it's like to discover that first patch. And no matter who they've got in their life, whoever's got vitiligo, whatever role models they have, celebrities, their mom, friends, family, whenever they, you know, obviously discover that first patch, that's going to be devastating because it's a change to their body and nobody likes to see change on their body. Yeah, yeah. So your story for me has like a bigger connotation, which is the issue of the the, the, the colors of the somebody's skin. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues related with it, you know. Um, and I was reading the book, there was this part that you mentioned, which also very similar in, 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 in the Arab culture is that in the Asian culture, you have to be slim and fair in order to be seen as, as pretty. So part of me think like, what's the end game for a person with like a brown skin like mine and unlike yours, and eventually being completely fair skinned would how how would this would the society even accept you yeah. like more are ah, you like you know fair skin that means you're pretty because we i you know i remember growing up uh i always thought i was not pretty because i was darker than most of my friends uh and you know i you know i thought that nobody's gonna love me nobody's gonna like me because i'm mm -hmm. just you know darker uh, i think compared to people in my region so i completely understand you know the, the politics or the culture behind the skin color and for you what yours was changing to a lighter color which probably is more accepted or 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 is it or I'm am laughing. i just or is Nothing. it that i mean what how, how would the asian community feel about that Every
everything you're saying is spot on. Everything you are saying is spot on. And actually, I haven't had this discussion yet, but I um, I went to the beautician um, a couple of months ago and I saw this beautician that I had, this lady I haven't seen for like months. She was off sick and suddenly I'd seen her after a while. She was doing my nails. And the first thing she said to me, Natasha, honestly, I'm not lying. She said, <laughs> wow, you know, she's from India. She's a beautician now. She said, oh my God, wow, your skin is looking so beautiful now. And I looked at her. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked because obviously my, my arms are all white now. You can sort of see they're all they're all white. Yeah. They're white. Yeah. White yeah, yeah. And I just sort of looked at her and I smiled and she goes, you know, give me Sonia. Like you look so nice and so beautiful, like now, you know. You know, it's all going one colour. It's all going one colour, you know. And I couldn't quite understand what she was trying to imply, but I did feel that sense of, oh, like you've got really nice fair skin now. Ah, yeah. As I opposed, think that, yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to being like brown in the past, yeah, yeah, or at least having the two colors or three different colors or four different colors as I did in my skin, you know. And, um, you know, she did ask me, Have you done anything to, to really trigger this to make it go faster, turn faster white? <laughs> and I haven't touched my skin at all, like, I would never think about bleaching it or anything like that, okay. but um, just the way she asked, it made me think that people are ignorant they are ignorant they are you know some people are traditional but I don't really blame them for that that's just their way of you know thinking and you can't change everyone can you you can't change everyone's mindset and I'm not going to sit there over a pedicure or manicure and start telling her about well actually I I felt really beautiful before in my brown yeah. skin <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so like I'm I'm not very familiar with vitiligo so would eventually you lose all your pigment um and how yeah. long would that take so and if that happens would you still identify would you people still visibly see you as as indian uh british or they would think yeah. you're caucasian and how would that well, affect you two questions here right natasha we're talking about identity which i'll come on to in a minute um, the first question you asked me was obviously um, how long it takes for your skin to turn white. Well, everybody's case is unique. Everybody's body is unique. And each sort of, you know, their melanin and their stress levels and their daily habits, their daily routine, um, their food, their diet, all of these things where they live, it really impacts this condition. And, um, you know, for me, obviously living in, in London, the weather, it's not so hot here. So I don't get enough, a lot of sun exposure. Um, my my vitiligo has spread, I would say, at a steady pace. Okay. Um, it is still spreading. However, I have noticed something very bizarre happening, which is a repigment of brown melanin coming back under my eye, and it oh. is really bizarre for that to happen, for it to reverse. So you see, the thing is with this condition, it's 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 something that's obviously. Um, nutrition therapists talk about the guts playing a big impact stress nutrition plays a big impact on one's daily life on one's lifestyle and I really do believe that's true I do I mean I'm not overly stressed at the moment but I've got brown pigment coming back which is really bizarre Okay. So it does depend on lifestyle factors, like I said, nutrition, diet, where you live, your body, how it reacts to certain foods, sun exposure and all of these things. When I go in the sun, if I don't properly sunblock, my vitiligo can spread. Ah. So, so everybody's body's different. 
Um, and I think coming to the second part of the question where you said, will I turn completely white? I just don't know. I mean, my arms have turned completely white. My feet have turned completely white. My chest is completely white. My face, as you can see, has just got patches now. Um, and I don't know how long this will take. Um, but I think for me, I know I'm Indian. I know my, 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 my cultural heritage, and I'm very strong about that. But I have got a very close friend of mine who is in the book, Gurdeep, Gurds. Yes, Gurds. And she's, yeah. turned, she's turned completely white. I saw and the picture. Looked, I saw the she picture. English. She looks English. She does, yeah. And if you look at her whole self, like she looks English, she looks English, not even European, because Europeans are tanned. So it's really bizarre. I think everybody's bodies are different, but she still identifies herself as Indian. I think it's how you feel inside, how you feel inside, who you feel, how you feel connected to your culture as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, but I do think that if I did turn completely white, I do think I would get that kind of thing where people would think, oh, what is she? What, what is yeah. she? Because even yeah. when people realize, oh, she speaks fluent Spanish and they look at my skin, they get confused. Yeah, that's true. So I think there's an element of confusion. And I think my skin tone would really, it would, it would just only further add more confusion to that. True. What, what about the Indian Asian community or, or your, your family? Um, like in the book, I know that you were very scared about their reaction. And I sort of wanted to hear more about how they reacted when they found out. How was, were you shunned in the beginning or were they, like, just take me through the process of yeah. sort of like coming out to them. It's so interesting to see the areas that I could have focused more on as I'm having this discussion with you. Um, so when I came back from Spain, I had my vitiligo, I told my my family pretty much immediately and I think they they were just disheartened they were like what what is that and I think they were hoping that it was just some kind of you know some mark that was left after sun exposure because you know how hot it gets in Spain you know what it was like in Madrid it gets it's just so unbearably hot and I think maybe I thought they thought that it was over like over sun exposure that I had and that it would go. So at the beginning, there was an element of um, kind of confusion, doubt, oh, you know, maybe it will go. It was only after, I think, about two weeks that the realisation kicked in that, oh, my God, this spot is not going. And even though they covered it up, they covered it up so well. They showed me they weren't overly worried about it. But I know now, being a parent myself, that they were really, really worried, really concerned. Hmm. And how did they find out eventually not your parents but like you say your aunties and your uncles and you know the, the extended family they found out in 2016 when I did a documentary for BBC one called misfits like us I decided to uh <laughs> that's a long time to hide this from your aunts and uncles I did I did so I you did, hit it like it. for like you hit it for 20 years pretty much yeah yeah I did I did. Oh, wow. And I, 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 I mean, to, I mean, it's funny because some cousins say to me, well, we knew you had it because we saw that you'd covered up your hands with makeup. We saw that there was kind of like some makeup there, but like no one, everyone was too afraid to say anything to me. No one okay. said anything to me, okay. but they did notice that my skin was covered up, 
yeah, they noticed. They just didn't say anything. And I never said anything either. I wasn't comfortable, Natasha, uh, until, yeah, I, I lost my dad in 2016. And a lot of things changed for me. Um, and I think mentally I was overcoming some barriers and I was kind of reaching different a different stage in my life and I think grief really does take you it really does change you and shape you as a person and I just became a different person and I wanted to be free of this because I realized that my dad's life got cut short and I wanted to be free in my skin and I realized why am I hiding my skin when I can do everything I want to do in life yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry about your dad. I, I remember you talking fondly of him. And, you know, I read about him here in the book. And then I read at the end that he passed away. So I'm, I didn't know that. So I'm, I'm really sorry. And um, one thing I wanted to ask, which is in the book, you gave up on the treatment. And where do we stand now in terms of the, tre the treatment? Because I felt in the book you were not so sure of of the person who did the treatment you felt that it was maybe not 100 percent effective uh, and you know has has the medicine developed in in the uk or any parts of the world where there is is hope for treating it and or would you actually go back and get treated if there is a better treatment or you're just done with that part uh, in, in your life like you're just gonna live with it in terms of treatment, because it's classified as a condition that's not life-threatening, there will never be any further advances or future or, or big advances in this area of medicine because it's not considered as something that's going to, you know, take take your life as such. But actually, it's just so mentally soul-destroying and, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally draining. Like in my book, you'll you'll read about those experiences of finding the new patch and having to deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis I mean like was just really hard waking up one day and seeing this white patch just suddenly appear out of nowhere and you'd be like that where has that come from oh great that's going to happen on that hand as well because mine you know it was it was very pa pa parallel it was just it's very simultaneous that hand and that hand or that eye or that eye and you just knew what was coming next um I have done all the treatments that I can out there. And if someone actually said to me, if you said to me now, Natasha, you won't believe what Jyoti, there is a pill that has just come out by a pharmaceuticals company, one of the best ones, um, Pfizer, Pfizer come out yeah. with this pill, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you pop it, you literally pop these two pills a day and then a week later you pop another two and then a week later you pop another two and that is it, your pigment will all come back. I don't think I'm at that space where I would ever even do that. I won't, I won't do it because it's taken so long for me to get here where I am. What if those tablets don't work? Well, even if there's a 100% guarantee, I'm not going down that route of having to then wait and see results and anticipate and hope and long only to be disappointed or only to not get the results I've dreamed of. Or what happens if it's a darker pigment to my normal pigment? You know, what happens if it it it's um it doesn't meet the promise? And I've kind of gone through that mental torture again. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I figured. And so so the book was for me eye opening on many levels. And I wonder, 
are there any other books with like memoir like this that deal with the same issue because you know the the uh, vitiligo is so common that i was talking with my mom um two days ago that mom you know i'm gonna be talking to jyoti uh, my friend from spain and we're gonna discuss discuss vitiligo and she was like yeah you know that your uncle who passed away had it i was like what <laughs> and she and then i started remembering that when we growing up i noticed his hands were really? white different pigments in his hand but uh, I guess they didn't have a diagnosis. That was a long time ago. No. And uh, it was just, you know, uh, nobody kind of paid attention. And maybe because he's a man, it's not a big deal for a man to have, you know, different colors yeah. of skin. If it was a woman, I think it would be a big, at least in our culture. Yes. So, so for me, it's, and a friend of mine here, uh, I don't know how we brought up the topic but she's white and she was like i'm not worried about it because uh, i'm white and i was like curious you know like i started connecting the dots yeah. after reading your book and i and i was like yeah. if you have it and how if if you had a very fair skin and it actually happened to you it wouldn't be a big deal right yeah so you know only... what someone else yeah absolutely natasha so you've you've hit the nail on the head i mean I think that people deal with it in all different ways, but if you have got fairer skin, it's less obvious, it's less noticeable, and you're less likely to cause attention or bring bring attention to yourself. Um, and, um, you know, in, in the documentary I did, for example, The Misfits, there was an English girl who took part, and you couldn't even see her vitiligo. And I remember people putting some criticism on, on social media after that, what was she doing on it? Because you can't even see her vitiligo. But she okay. did struggle with her skin. Like, you can see you know parts of her skin where you can see the vitiligo and I suppose when it comes to sun exposure everybody no matter whether you're darker skinned fair skinned you've all got we've all got to take care of our skin in the sun as well um because we haven't got the melanin in our skin to protect us so is part of you like you know how we women especially and moms you always blame ourselves do you think part of you blame yourself for like sitting outside in the in the sun in Spain, not putting sunblock. You know, I know this is not right, yeah. but you know how sometimes our mind takes yeah. really like, you know, crazy locations. Have Has this ever yes. thought? Yes. It's like, you know, it's all, my fault. it's all my fault. I brought this to myself. Only in the earlier days of diagnosis, I thought, what the hell have I done to myself? Okay. Only in the earlier days of diagnosis did I think, what have I done? Like, because I didn't use sunblock. I didn't. I didn't really use sunblock and I tanned so much that I looked, um, you know, completely different to what I normally look like because tanned so much and I didn't use sunblock. And I did, I did look back at that time and think, is it me? I wish yeah. I blogged that actually, you know, um, but obviously as I researched and I did some more, you know, um, research on the online, I realized, no, no, you know, <laughs> there are so many people out there. Um, young children being diagnosed and no this isn't the re reason for it yeah I mean I know like because you expect yeah. it's genetic but you know yeah. how we always especially yeah. women and moms we always blame ourselves mm. we can't help it so now since you're you know your cause you basically dedicate you're full-time now dedicated to your business yeah. which is representation yeah. so how do you what what are you aiming for are you aiming to change people's perspective 
or are you aiming that this awareness would prompt people to find um, treatment for something that doesn't have treatment so what is what would make you feel that you accomplished your goal yeah so for me it's always been a case of um, I'm here to champion people with visible differences like myself um, to be the person that speaks out to talk about these these differences to talk about this within the community as well and spread awareness Um, and you know I suppose this is what my book is all about you know it's about sharing that awareness of you don't have to shield and hide behind anything because you know it's about learning to embrace yourself so my business is all about that it's about championing these issues but bringing it to the focus of the media that's essentially where I want to get that message out so that's kind of obviously tv magazine radio work and really kind of bringing that message out and that's what I've been working on over the last few years um, to really highlight the importance of, of people understanding what vitiligo is and also for other people who are struggling with a visual difference to also gain a little bit more confidence of, of being able to come out of their shell. And I know at the end of the book, you said that, you know, because of Vitiligo, you know, you you had a, a, a fulfilled life. You met amazing people. You did amazing things. If you were given the chance and go back in time, would you, and somebody comes and tells you, I'll give you this pill and it will disappear, uh, knowing what you know, would you still decide to have Vitiligo? or no because you know that's because you know you know now that your life was enriched because of the obstacle that you faced that the obstacle like you know to quote ryan holiday in his book Mm -hmm. the obstacle was the way for you to you know to reach this to live this fulfilled life and um inspiring life would you i'd never change it i would never change my life now um i'm so fulfilled i'm so happy um, I still got married. I had children. I, I've, I've lived a life. I've, I, I taught in a secondary school for 17 years. I, I've had a really solid career. Um, I've, I've been very, very fulfilled and blessed in many ways. And I think Vitiligo has enhanced that. It's really strengthened me and it's made me so resilient. It's been able to teach my children skills that I, w- I, th- I would never have been able to teach them otherwise. You know, they have such a good understanding of other people's conditions. You know, they aren't the children that will stop and stare at someone if they see a visual difference. They will just walk away or ask me discreetly, Mum, what's, what's that? You know, um, and unlike if they see someone with Vitiligo, they'll be like, um so i think that it's really enhanced the person i am it's really changed me it's made me become a very understanding person and um someone who is really able to identify um what people's weaknesses are and being able to tap in and support them is something that is is so rewarding and that means so much to me um are you worried uh, that your kids will get it? Um, I don't know. Like I do sometimes think I don't want them to be overly stressed because it is genetic, but it does skip a generation. So now I've got it. I do worry that their kids could have it. Okay. So not necessarily them, but their children 
and and yeah I thought it sometimes plays on my mind but it's a conversation I need to have with the both of them quite soon as well about stress and stress levels and how to manage stress it's a conversation I need to have with them in the next year or so because you know it's not even just vitiligo but stress does impact our bodies in so many different ways you know I think it's important that we identify what those stress levels are we identify how to manage our stress we identify how uh, you know if something's stressing us out okay what are we going to do about it because most of the time it's hidden we're, we're not identifying what's going on inside our bodies you know yeah, uh, and yeah. it's only until something really sad happens we realize oh my god it's too late but we've got to take action we've got to be able to do that ourselves otherwise you know stress is, is a horrible thing to do is a horrible uh, um factor to have to to live with and I think we've got to learn to manage it because it isn't just vitiligo but it can manifest in our bodies in so many different ways yeah yeah and the story of Nev and how you met him was so sweet and so romantic and like so oh. beautiful and uh you know just just to see how he like was with you from the beginning and you know, I, I feel you're so lucky to find someone like him. And I kept thinking about what about the other, um, if you know of other women in um, the Asian, uh, the Asian British community, or even in the Asian community or in the Arab community or any of where, where skin color is, is a big deal. Uh, do you think their chances of finding someone like Nev is, is, you know, probable or, you know, Nev is, you know, such a unique, exceptional guy that even their chances of, of finding love and getting married is pretty low because of their condition. It's hard finding anyone anyway. I mean, I know that some of my friends and family who are still single now and they don't have a visible condition or anything wrong, wrong, wrong with them, I'm saying, you know, they're finding it hard to find love and they don't have anything, you know, visible about them uh, so I think finding love anyway these days is a lot harder finding someone genuine is a lot harder finding someone who's on your wavelength is really challenging as well COVID has only just made it even harder um, but I think people are slowly adapting and they are moving forward and their mindsets are shifting forwards it is a positive thing people are getting more awareness and sometimes these things are becoming um, because people understand them better they're becoming less important um, and I would like to think that there are men and women out there who are having a better understanding and, and are less judgmental of, of the opposite sex. Um, however, having said that, however, I know that within the South Asian community, there is a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment. And this is still continuing in this day and age. And it's very difficult to find partners based on, you know, height, weight, job, wealth, money, the car you drive you know there are so many other factors that kind of come down at the end of at the end of this so I don't know I mean it's a really difficult question I know that from friends and family who are single it's difficult to find that love and find that person um but equally I do feel like there is an aware more of an awareness and people are understanding things a lot better than before which I hope brings more um, compassion and empathy when meeting new people. I, I do believe that there are good people out there who, who see past those barriers, who see past those um, differences. Yeah. And so for Jyoti, what's next? What 
I mean, actually, before we go to what's next, how is your day today like, you know, when, you know, I just want to understand, you know, how are you championing this? You know, what are the avenues that you're using? So it's like, do you spend your day responding to social media or responding to the press? Or how is your day like as someone who's championing this cause? So since I left teaching, I've had more time to really focus on positively diverse and expand and grow new leads and connections, which has been amazing. I do, I do a lot of cross promotion on LinkedIn and on um, Instagram, and I'm sort of learning how to use LinkedIn a little bit better. So I will be kind of coming on board and using that more effectively in the next couple of months off in the new year, uh, just getting to grips with that platform. Um, but it's really about spreading my message across all platforms on my YouTube, on my Instagram, on, on Facebook, and just really highlighting the wonderful people that I'm meeting. Um, I've taken part in a couple of, um, you know, in a couple of projects for some TV work, which has been great in the last couple of months. So that's really, really exciting. Um, and I'm just looking forward to really building up my presence and my visibility so that I can, you know, become a little bit more well-known in the media industry for someone who is passionate about this topic, about representation and inclusivity, and who has a visible difference, but is still making an impact on a day-to-day -day life, uh, a day-to-day, -day, you know, uh, in, in, in our day-to-day -day life. Um, so on a on a day to day basis, it's really sort of full of it's full of a mix of lots of things, uh, you know, a little bit of my book promotion, a little bit of responding to messages on Instagram, a little bit of responding to press work, uh, taking part in some, you know, uh, in some media campaigns, uh, collaborations, it's a little mix of everything. But I really hope that with time, and as I gain more visibility, I'll be able to get a little bit more presenter experience and exposure and push myself that way forwards. You know, the, the internet, you know, can be uh, a blessing and it also can be a curse. Uh, have you been bullied online? Got any hate messages? I get them all the time as a journalist, uh, but, <laughs> but that's fine. So have you ever experienced anything like this? Well, Natasha Touchwood, um, I think the page is all about representation and being different and embracing ourselves. And Touchwood, I haven't received any uh, negative hurtful comments but to be honest if I did it really would just be water off a duck's back block and whatever you know I'm really not phased by what people think I spent 20 years um, worrying about what people think I'm not about yeah. to do it age 43 of my life mother of two <laughs> I'm not going to do it now you know I did it for 20 years I'm not doing it now so nothing will it, nothing will ever get to me it won't so I want to backtrack a bit and, and talk about the BBC documentary. It, it seemed like a very kind of pivotal moment in, in your life. How did that, that documentary on like one of the top, um, I guess, news channels in the world uh, change you, uh, change your life? I was approached by a producer uh, through the Vitiligo Society who asked if I would like to take part in this documentary. I was very apprehensive, very nervous. And I wondered whether this was the right step for me because I hadn't exposed my vitiligo to anyone, let alone my neighbours, let alone colleagues, wow. let alone students. To then go and do this kind of thing was like, ah, <gasps> you know? And I remember sort of telling my mum at that time and I don't think she was overly impressed, you know? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, why would you want to talk about this? And why, why? It was really difficult for the older generation, I think, to understand the, my reasoning behind it. 
but I think my reasoning has always been a, um, a very positive, um, a positive one, and that's to create a bigger impact and awareness for people to understand the condition. And had I have not done that, Natasha, um, you know, I would have not created any awareness within my own community or my circle of friends or my circle of people that I know, you know, it would have kept it hidden. And what would that have proven? Just someone who's embarrassed about her skin or she hasn't quite come to terms with it. Um, and there's nothing to be ashamed about. So misfits like us really did allow me to voice what I think and not be afraid to sort of speak my mind, knowing that I didn't have to confront anyone afterwards because it was all on there. So what does the future hold for Positively Diverse and for Jyoti? I want to spread my wings and fly, Natasha. I just want to be able to carry on doing the work that I'm doing, um, really kind of like take on some more sort of presenter-like roles as well, and really champion, like I said, people who've got visible differences and talk about this within our society and how it impacts people on a day-to-day -day basis and really kind of normalise this whole, you know, stigma attached to looking different um, and I want to be the presenter with a visible difference who is able to champion these issues in a real positive spin someone who I am different I'm South Asian so it'd be lovely to be able to push this uh, this avenue forward um, and and be able to excel in this area of work that I love doing um, and you know, in terms of positively diverse, I am going to be doing a little bit more work in schools. I miss the school environment. Um, I would like to do some collaborations or, or going in and working in schools and do some workshops and some speak motivational talks. Um, so that's in the pipeline. Um, and uh, just meeting, networking with people, growing my, my organization, perhaps having a small team behind me one day would be great. Um, and just re really just taking each day as it comes. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking after reading your book, so you no longer want to cover your face with makeup. You're done with that face. Yeah. And how freeing is that um, when yeah. you go outside without makeup? Oh, Natasha, it's so liberating. It's so liberating, like walking the dog, just going out with, my bare skin and feeling that fresh air on my face and knowing that the makeup's not rubbing off on my jacket because it's freezing and I've got a scarf and knowing I'm not going to have a layer of makeup there and just being free in my skin and letting people just see my skin is just such a relief it's such a relief and I do get the odd stare now and again I'm not going to lie particularly from children who from just children yeah. yeah more so from children um, but I think adults are starting to see it more and more. I'm starting to see a lot more people with birthmarks and, 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 and spots and psoriasis. They're not covering up their skin. And I just feel like, is this a way forward? I remember once being stopped in London and this woman said to me, she was staring at my feet for ages. and I was really getting upset. And I was <laughs> really, really getting upset. And uh, she, she just said, stopped and said, my God, what beautiful shoes. And I was just like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just was really confused I thought she was like I thought she was taking the mickey you know but she was dead serious and she's like oh you know I would like to know if you don't mind me asking where you got them from where you got them from when you got them you know because I, I really like them they look very nice on you and all the whole time the seven stops that we want I thought she was staring at my vitiligo on my feet because I covered with makeup 
yeah. and that's what she was looking and it was just you know little examples like this is just like uh you know everyone's looking at every attention on your detail everyone's looking at that not everybody's looking at, at that at, you know absolute detail on your face yeah. skin on your hands maybe someone's just admiring your earrings you know I yeah mean, and yeah. I just now it, it's just it doesn't bother me at all yeah and, and if you, someone looks I, I I like to lift my sleeve and let them have a, a better look now you know <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 such a good feeling you know sometimes. <laughs> Even on a winter's day, just take I know. the jacket, roll the sleeve and let them have a good look. You know, because I think sometimes people are curious and sometimes when they realise they're staring, they realise, oh gosh, that's that's the wrong thing to do. I need to be a bit subtle about this. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do, I do humour this now. I mean, I do entertain this where I go now more. Whereas before... Before, I, I before was, yeah. Yeah. You're you're just, very just pretty, serious. by the way. You're and you have not aged at all, by the way. You aged at oh. all, by the way. You still look the same. <laughs> oh, Natasha, you're very kind. You're very no, very that's, kind. That's true. Very I sweet. mean, like I can't believe I I met you 30 years ago, and it, it feels like we're still back in Madrid. 15, yeah, you're 15. I'm 18. Oh, singing I mean, in the streets. <laughs> if you oh, remember, we had a wonderful time. It a is. wonderful time, and I'm just so grateful we have the opportunity to reconnect and I can see all the amazing work you're doing as well I think that you're just doing such fantastic work you've had such as an amazing career as well I really I'm inspired by you as well Natasha thank um, you appreciate it I think that you've just done some amazing things um admired by uh, I admire your journey your career journey your career path and what you've achieved as well so Thank you very much, Jyoti, for you know coming to the channel and talking to me and hearing about your journey. I hope who's who's watching the channel gets inspired and and please please buy the the book. It's amazing. It's on Amazon. Um, you know, I got it like in two days. I just ordered it. It came very quickly. Uh, please get it's the a book. Kindle too. And it's on Kindle and yeah. make sure to connect with Jyoti on Instagram at Positively Diverse. Uh, her website is amazing. I checked her website as well. So please make sure to read the book. I I, um, I loved it. I, as I said, I, I finished it in one day. Thanks, amazing Natasha. Work. And I, I just, if anyone's got any questions about, about the book or about my journey or about the work I'm doing, just pop it underneath Natasha's comments and I will, I'll reply to any of you that have anything that you want to ask uh, don't feel embarrassed I think it's really important to to ask questions sometimes if uh, if in doubt thank you very much Jota I really appreciate it thank you very much Natasha for having me on